Hi, this is Guardian Australia Reads. I'm Jane Lee. Every week, we ask Guardian Australia's editors what their favourite articles are, and then we read them aloud for you. Today, we go beyond the numbers and hear from one family devastated by COVID. Patrick Keneally is Guardian Australia's live news editor. Patrick, tell me why you chose this piece. I think working in news, we're so tied up in the day-to-day of COVID where we're looking at the case numbers, where we're looking at roadmaps, reopening plans, we're looking at the politics of COVID. It's sometimes easy to lose sight of the devastating human toll that it has on people and families. So I thought this piece by Rafka Tuma really brought it home to me and it was wonderful for the family to share a story that wouldn't have been easy to tell and I'm glad they were able to share it with us. Let's hear it. This is... That was it. We lost him. One Sydney family torn apart by COVID by Rafka Tuma. Sayyid Risk sat still on his lounge, holding a mug between weak hands. His face was darkened and his tea untouched. The 70-year-old had been awake since 3am that morning unable to sleep through pain and discomfort. When his wife Najwa woke to find him there, she called for her daughter. I told her, your dad is not okay. We need to take him to the hospital. After seven days of suffering COVID symptoms inside his home, Sayed's family called for an ambulance. Najwa and Sayed Risk lived together in their home in the Sydney suburb of West Ryde with their daughters Nicole and Suord. Last month, the family became sick with COVID and their beloved patriarch became one of more than 330 people in New South Wales to die during the latest outbreak. Najwa remembers, he used to say he wasn't scared I'm not going to die from COVID, he'd say. It's not going to happen to me. And it did. The family first felt unwell on Sunday the 8th of August. The symptoms were horrible and hit us all at once, says Nicole, who's 28 years old. We stayed at home and dealt with them as best we could. But it does not compare to your normal flu. It was the flu multiplied by 100. She recalls the sudden onset of head and body aches. Imagine the aftermath of being hit by a train. That's how intense it was. Like her daughter, Najwa can't forget the pain that hit her body. At night time, you can't sleep because of the pain. And during the day, you can never get comfortable. You can't do anything, Najwa says. We were barely eating. We had no taste, no smell and a very, very heavy cough. I remember not being able to keep my eyes open. On the fourth day of symptoms, still bedridden herself, Najwa watched her husband's condition worsen. He would try to get up from bed and fall, she says. Weak on his legs, Sayid called for Nicole, who tried to pull him up, but she was weak herself and couldn't do it. The next day, in another attempt to shower, Sayid fell on the tiled floor. 
Though unable to stand, Saeed kept assuring his family he was fine. But Najwa's concern only grew. The next night, a violent cough kept Saeed from sleeping and Najwa woke to find him in the lounge room. He had been up since 3am in the morning, Najwa says. He didn't want to wake us up. He was worried. We were all too sick as well. Nicole says her father's face had turned an off dark colour. We knew we couldn't keep him at home. On the 15th of August, seven days after their initial onset of symptoms, Sayed was taken by ambulance to Ride Hospital in Sydney's northwest. When he arrived at Ride Hospital, Nicole says there were no beds available. He was left in a chair. After five hours, he was given a bed and the drip. Saeed was also given an oxygen mask to assist with breathing and was started on a number of medications. Doctors would tell us he was stable, slightly improved, then slightly worse, stable, slightly improved, much worse. With COVID, there is nothing consistent. It was constant anxiety. Eventually, the family were told Sayid's breathing was not getting better. My dad was still awake at this point, Nicole says. We called him. We told him, don't worry, don't panic, and everything will be fine. Sayid was then sedated intubated and transferred to Hornsby Hospital. When Saeed's family contacted Ride Hospital to retrieve his personal items, they were told the belongings were lost. Among his clothes, wallet and mobile phone were a gold chain with a crucifix and a thin gold bracelet. They are more than sentimental. It is the worst feeling to not have that with us at this time. Nicole was sent an email by the hospital's general manager three weeks later, apologising for the missing belongings and expressing disappointment that she was not informed sooner. In a statement, a Northern Sydney local health district spokesperson reiterated that apology, saying they were sorry for the additional distress caused by the loss of the patient's personal belongings while he was under the care of Wright Hospital. The spokesperson also confirmed an extensive search for the missing item was conducted by staff and that the matter had been reported to New South Wales Police and an insurance claim lodged. Upon entry at Hornsby Hospital, Saeed was given an X-ray. In the scan, staff noticed the shape of a cross. Nicole says they turned his shoulder and his crucifix was stuck there pulled off the chain. Everything else is gone, but we have the crucifix because it went with him to Hornsby by chance. From the very beginning, Nicole says, there was no sense anything was going to work. 
Sayid's family would call the hospital two or three times a day for an update. Nicole describes the anxiety of waiting for the call as gruelling and says her mother was on edge the entire time. Nicole says, My mum was so anxious, crying for the entire two weeks. Najwa, Nicole and her sister Suod were eventually approved for a visit with Sayid in hospital. Nicole says she went in knowing it was the last time we would see our dad alive. First the nurses and doctors put on their PPE, the gloves, the masks, everything. Then we went in. Dad was sedated. That was the hardest thing I've ever had to do, seeing him in that state. The nurse was empathetic and understanding, letting the family extend their 15-minute visit to almost two hours. We were able to pray with him and speak to him. We took him holy oil and water. The family were also able to video call their brother Kaiser and sister Melinda in Lebanon, who is unable to come home. Najwa describes not wanting to leave her husband in the hospital that afternoon. Inside my mind and my heart, I was not at peace. I felt in my heart something was going to happen. At this point, Saeed's blood oxygen levels were dropping dangerously low. The family were also told Saeed's rheumatoid arthritis was an underlying condition to be wary of. We didn't know arthritis had anything to do with COVID, but we were told the treatments weren't working. Nicole, Suwad and Najwa left Sayid at 3pm that day. That night, they fell asleep close to 11pm. Three hours later, at 2.27 in the morning, on Thursday the 2nd of September, the Risk family house phone rang. We all got this sickening feeling in our guts, Nicole says. Our house phone never rings. Najwa says, I felt the house collapse around me. A doctor from Hornsby Hospital was calling to let them know Sayid had passed away minutes before. He told us his organs shut down due to COVID pneumonia, Nicole says. He said, I'm sorry, and that was it. We lost him. Before the family's battle with COVID, Nicole never in a million years expected to contract the virus, let alone lose her father to it. The family would listen to the daily acquired cases and death numbers. We would hear that 12 people died and think gratefully, at least it's not 400. Now, when Nicole looks at COVID numbers, she thinks instead of how many people went through the anxiety, the depression, the helplessness that her family went through, The people who are dying are just being portrayed as a number rather than real families being torn apart, she says. Only when you become one of those numbers, when you're in it, do you realise how serious it is. After four weeks, Najwa still hasn't fully gotten her taste back. For Nicole, the cough lingers and returns sporadically. In Sydney's extended lockdown, 
Grieving the loss of Sayyid has been especially difficult for the family. Unable to access the support of extended family members and loved ones. Najwa is grateful to be with her daughters, but knows things won't be like before. She says her late husband was very quiet, very helpful, and a very, very good man. He loved everyone and he was loved by everyone. He did not deserve this. It's never going to be the same, she says. There's something missing. Even when we sit at the table to eat dinner, it is different. Najwa says she just wants families like hers to stay inside your house. Wear your mask. Be considerate, she urges. If one person is sick, they can pass it on to a whole family. A whole family will be sick and it could end up just like it did for us. Najwa says, I hope no one experiences what we experienced. No one in the world. That was, that was it. We lost him. One Sydney family torn apart by COVID by Rafka Tuma. This episode was produced by Rafka Tuma, Daniel Simo, Alison Chan and Camilla Hannon. I'm Jane Lee. See you next time.